Welcome to this special New Year's 2024 episode of Business Wise. This is going to be, uh, while I'm recording this, on the last day of 2023, you will be receiving it on the first day of 2024. Of course, for any of you not familiar, this is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. So the new year, around this time, we typically, many of us get involved with making what we call New Year's resolutions, resolutions to ourselves for the future. So we at YZ Stress thought we would dedicate this episode to that subject. People make resolutions at the beginning of the new year, but it is well known that for most, resolutions are made only to be broken. So we figured let's dig into L. Ron Hubbard's writings to see if we can come up with some stuff that will help one and all with their New Year's resolutions this year. So that's what we're going to dig into, okay? So first of all, let's define what a resolution is. So per Mr. Oxford, it is a firm decision to do or not to do something. And then they give an example. She kept her resolution not to see Anne anymore. So you make a firm decision. That's my resolution. I'm not going to smoke anymore, or I'm not going to drink anymore, or whatever the resolution might be, or I'm going to lose this weight, or whatever that might be. So that's a typical, it's a firm decision to do or not to do something. It can also be a formal expression of opinion or intention agreed on by a legislative body, committee, or other formal meeting typically after taking a vote. So the example they give here, the conference passed two resolutions. Now, there's a reason I'm giving you this definition as well. It's a very formal definition, but this is uh, one of the resolutions that were made at the meeting. That would be another example of using the word that way. So here's the next definition, the action of solving a problem or dispute. A peaceful resolution of all disputes is the example they give. And then here's uh, this final definition I'm going to give you, the quality of being determined or resolute. So the example they give here, he handled the last French actions of the war with resolution. Comes from Latin, resolutio, from resolvere, loosen, release, resolvere, from re, expressing an intensive force, so re plus solvere, loosen. So solvere means to loosen, and re means to do it with intensity. We're not only going to solve this, we're going to resolve this, which means to loosen. It's to untie a problem. So evidently a resolution as a firm decision to do or not to do something is also intended to solve a problem, is the point. Resolve means, of course, to settle or find a solution to a problem. So, uh, so that's resolution. Now, Mr. Hubbard discovered a phenomena of human nature that was quite specific and unique having to do with thought and decisions. And it has similarities to this term resolutions, but it's, as I mentioned, very, very specific. So specific that he, to use his own words, borrowed a term that is not commonly used in the English language and assigned it to this concept, okay? The term is the word postulate. Now, the regular English definition for the word is a statement accepted to be true without proof. That's a postulate. Oxford defines it as a thing suggested or assumed as true 
as a basis for reasoning, discussion, or belief. And then they give an example. Perhaps a postulate of Babylonian influence on Greek astronomy is incorrect. So a postulate, by this definition, by the English definition, is something one accepts as true for the purpose of discussion or reasoning. I mean, not necessarily be true, but one accepts it as true, and it could later on turn out that the postulate is not true in this case, in this usage. Now, here's a verb definition. He says, suggest, this is Oxford again, suggest or assume the existence, fact, or truth of something as a basis for reasoning, discussion, or belief. That would be to postulate. His theory postulated a rotary movement for hurricanes. So again, it's something that you're putting out there as potentially true. You're going to assume it's true. And for the purpose of your reasoning or for the purpose of a discussion. Now, it comes from medieval Latin, postulat, which means asked, from the word postulare, to ask, from Latin, postulo, request. Interesting. I thought it was an interesting derivation. It's almost like I'm asking you to accept this as true. As an interesting derivation, it sort of ties in with the more usual definition, I guess you could say the word postulate. This is not Mr. Hubbard's definition, by the way. But of course, the derivation is the same. It comes from to ask. Now, here is Mr. Hubbard's definition of the term. A little bit different. Okay, so listen carefully. A postulate defined as, quote, a self-created truth would be simply the consideration generated by self. So he's defining a postulate as a truth. It is a self-created truth. You created it, buddy or ma'am. You created this truth. Like, I am amazing. That's a postulate. I'm really good at this. That's a postulate. It's true. You postulated it, and now that's true, right? Maybe not everybody else agrees that it's true, but it's true for you. It's a self-created truth. And he uh, goes on to say this. He says, let's just review it. He says, a self-created truth would be simply the consideration generated by self. Well, we just borrow the word, which is in seldom use in the English language. We call that postulate. And we mean by postulate, self-created truth. He posts something. He puts something up. And that's what a postulate is. L. Ron Hubbard, that's his definition. You're putting it out there. Okay? I am a phenomenal pianist. Or I am an extremely competent manager. Or whatever it is. You're putting it up there. Right? Or I'm incredibly overweight. So you can have a positive postulate. You can have a negative postulate. Okay? Now, there's a verb definition. From Mr. Hubbard, he says the word postulate means to cause a thinkingness or consideration. It is a specifically applied word and is defined as, quote, causative thinkingness, end quote. Now, this, this refines it a bit, okay? It's not just a self-created truth. It's a causative thinkingness. The person, the individual, now has this thought, postulate, and that now causes something. It causes them to do better, could cause them to do worse, could cause them to do the same. But it causes something, and it causes something in their environment. Let's say the guy decides, I'm a lousy father. Well, that's a postulate. That's obviously going to influence how he's doing, but it's also going to influence how the whole family is doing. And you can imagine what gets caused by a postulate like that.
You see? So let's just extrapolate this for a moment. If a postulate is causative thinkingness, then would it not stand to reason that things that are caused are preceded by a postulate? You know, I mean, look, you go into any environment, man-made environment, let's just leave it at that for now. We don't have to discuss whether, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the woods, the great Northwest woods and so forth are postulated by somebody or not. You can have your own thoughts about that. But let's just talk about now you're walking into a home or you're walking into a building and it's extraordinarily beautiful or it's extraordinarily disorganized. Well, that's something that has been caused. Well, if it's something that's been caused, what preceded that would have been a thought or a thinkingness, a causative thinkingness, and that would be a postulate. So a person, you might walk into a very pleasant home with a, a woman of the house has a very strong postulate about how a home should be and how her home will be. And it's welcoming. There's a postulate behind that. You know, we're going to have a welcoming, warm household. You know, that's a postulate. And it's causative thinkingness. Now you see it manifest in the person's physical environment, but it's preceded by thinkingness, causative thinkingness. Now, I want you to think about that. Here are some typical postulates that I hear all the time being reinforced by my members or other people sometimes. And these are not necessarily the greatest postulates, okay? But just consider, are these postulates that have caused something? Here's one. Life is hard. Or I'm getting old. Or it's hard to make a living these days. Or I'm not good at this. Or you can't find good employees today. Or I'm broke. And here's one of my favorites of all time. I have no time. Look. This is a thinkingness. This is a concept. This is an idea. It is causative thinkingness. The person has made a postulate. I have no time. Think about that next time you start telling people you have no time. Think about that next time you tell people that you have no money or that you're not really good at this. I, uh, I had a member. We had a little get-together, and I said, maybe I'll sing a number. And the member said, you sing? And I went, of course I do. He's like, of course you do. <laughs> I said, anyone can sing. Some people sing better than others. Yeah, I sing. I'm not uh, Frank Sinatra. But it's just, it's interesting. Like, how many people probably walk around with a postulate? I can't sing. Of course they can sing. I guess they can't. I mean, because they've had this causative thinkingness that they can't sing. And it continues. Now, this is an interesting thing, because postulate, now listen to this definition, because Mr. Hubbard uses another word in the definition we just covered, and we should take a look at it, and that is the word consideration. And here is how Mr. Hubbard defines it. Quote, an enduring or continuing postulate. That's all a consideration is. It's a postulate that it continues or endures. L. Ron Hubbard. So, guy makes a postulate, I can't sing, and then it continues. Now he has a consideration, I can't sing. Could also be, I'm ugly. I've had this interesting phenomena of people who obviously have a consideration that they're ugly, go through a transformation 
in one session with a professional practitioner, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but in one session, come out beautiful. What changed? The, the, the practitioner is not an esthetician. He's applying counseling techniques. What changed in that room with that practitioner? A consideration changed. A postulate was, we would use the word blown. It's gone. It's no longer there. That person no longer has that postulate that they're ugly, and they come out beautiful. Well, hello, beautiful. It's crazy. I've seen it. You probably have too. And it's all that's changing is a person's consideration and fundamental that the original postulate. Okay. So now we've looked at the power of postulates to dictate or cause some negative things, but how about using them to create some magic and positive things? Well, I have to be honest with you, and I don't like to use that term very often because I try to always be honest with you, but I have to be, let's say, frank. Okay. There's a lot to know about postulates, how to make them, how to handle the negative ones, so on. And in many cases, you might need the help of a professional practitioner to isolate all of the, what Mr. Hubbard calls the, quote, hidden influences, end quote, in your life. I don't want you to now go and try to find and get rid of all your negative postulates. Oh, I must have a negative postulate on this. How do I get rid of that? Let me, let me sit in a dark corner and just try to find where I got it from. No, no, don't play that game. Okay, that, that's a losing game. I don't normally recommend that you don't try something at home. In fact, almost everything we try to go over with you and business-wise and with the Harvard Management System, we're actually hoping that you're going to go out and actually use it. But this isn't something we want you to do. We don't want you to go out and try to isolate all the source of all your negative postulates and try to get rid of them or something like that. No. When you want to do that, find a professional practitioner in the technology of the mind that Mr. Hubbard developed to address that and get rid of that because there's a lot of them and they're trained on how to get rid of them. And if you spend that time just looking in words and introverting, you're probably just going to get a headache and you're probably going to feel a lot worse. If you've ever tried to solve your own problems that way, just sitting in a corner and thinking about it, you probably found that it just goes around and around and around. It's not very helpful. Your better option is just increase your understanding of what a postulate is how they are made, that's more of an extra version of your attention. You're studying now. You're looking at life. You're looking at others better than looking within yourself. Okay, don't do that without a little bit of help until you really, really get the hang of it. At some point, you will be able to handle it on your own, but not at the beginning. You need to, it takes skill, it takes practice, and uh, what we call gradients. You, You work up to that ability. But the more you understand postulates and the more you understand considerations, the more you can control them, that's for sure. And the less likely that you will keep pounding yourself to death with bad ones. I mean, sure, you could knock off the habit of telling everybody you have no time. Because every time you say you have no time, you're reinforcing that postulate, aren't you? So while I don't necessarily want you to go into a, you know, a big funk and trying to figure out why do I always tell myself I have no time, just Try not to say it so much. Try not to reinforce it so much, okay? Because you're just giving it more power. But there are some things to know about postulates, some simple things, and I want to give them to you today in the interest of launching you into 2024 with a greater power over your postulates, 
All right. So I'm going to give you four tips. And these are my favorite tips from L. Ron Hubbard on this subject. Number one, think big. Don't think small. Make big postulates. Have big visions. Have big goals. You know, decide that your company is going to dominate the industry or going to be national or international or whatever it is. No harm in thinking big. I want you to listen to this quote from Mr. Hubbard. Quote, the only way you can really postulate any kind of a goal at all is imagination. And if you don't postulate high-flown goals, if you don't hitch your wagon to a star, it's a cinch. You're not going to get up to the top of the pine tree because it takes that much to get this much. He goes on to say this, you know, in Alice in Wonderland, it says you have to run just to keep up. You have to run twice as fast if you want to get any place. L. Ron Hubbard. So you want to, if you're going to postulate, postulate something big. You know, I'm the finest dancer in the land or, you know, just, you know, I'm going to win a gold medal or whatever it might be. You, you just put that postulate, wait, have that imagination to go big. All right. Because if you go big, well, you're going to get a lot further than if they're small postulates. All right. Number two, keep it light. You know, postulates, people go, oh, I'm going to make this postulate and nothing's going to sway me from this. And I'm, I'm really going to push on this and I'm going to make this decision and we're going to stick to it. And no matter what, that's actually not what Mr. Hubbard says to do. He says, quote, it isn't necessary for you to sit down and wish hard. It isn't how hard one wishes that counts as they teach a child. It's how lightly one wishes and how interested he is in having that for which he wished. See, it's not as much a function of wishing hard. It's, it's, a, it's a function of being interested in what you're wishing for. If you're, if that, this is where purpose can come in, too, is just aligning everything, aligning it with your purpose. I really, this is... I'm so into this. I really want this. I'm wishing for this and I'm really interested in this. You're going to have a lot better shot of making that a postulate a reality rather than sit there and just try to wish hard. He goes on to say this, you can be as intense with an upper band as you can a lower band wave. So upper band, the lighter waves, you know, you've seen people like that. They're, they, make, they are able to influence things without a great deal of effort. They're using upper band wavelengths. You, know, you can almost perceive those wavelengths. And then you've got the person who's always got to use force. That's a lower band wave, and you can feel it. <laughs> he says you can use very light energy to accomplish enormous things. It's only with a very heavy energy that you can't accomplish a doggone thing. He goes on to say this. Just try and accomplish anything by telling somebody what to do forcefully. You do that often enough and customarily enough, and you eventually won't get anything done. Be a much happier thing to be at that stage of the tone scale. Now, we covered the tone scale earlier, but people are at different tones. They have different wavelengths. You see one, somebody who's sad all the time, that's obviously not a very high tone. You see someone who's fairly cheerful, that's a higher tone. We call that the tone scale, right? So he says, be a much happier thing to be at the stage of the tone scale where you simply knew they would do it. You know, I, uh, a little shout out to my son who's, 
now in his 40s, but when he was 11, he was in charge. He was running a group of kids, some of them almost adults. He was 11 years old, and they were many, most of them were actually significantly older. And I was there visiting him one day as he was executing this project. And uh, one of the kids came over to him, and they were sort of whining and complaining, and they couldn't do it, and so on. And uh, my son just sort of looked at him and shook his head and just sort of chuckled to himself and then repeated the guy's name, ah, oh, John, you know, <laughs> of course you can do it. You know, it was just sort of a little light postulate he was putting on John. And all of a sudden, John sort of, he, he kind of looked a little almost, you know, stunned or surprised and sort of walked away and got on with business, you see. And I thought it was a great little demonstration of this from uh, my son when he, you know, has grown up to become a heck of an executive. but. Uh, but I remember watching him do this at the age of 11. He says here, Mr. Robert goes on to say, did you ever go around and say to somebody, well, we know that you'll do that, and so on, and just leave them stuck with that? You've actually laid a postulate on top of them. You should try that sometime. You know, you go, somebody's giving you a lot of trouble, they're not doing their function, and you look at them, of course you're going to do that, you know, <laughs> and just walk away, light little postulate. And they're like, Wow. I guess I, I guess I am, you know, it's, it's like you just put that postulate there and it's a light postulate, not that you better do this or, you know, all hell's going to break loose or I don't know what we're going to do with you in you know, this big heavy force postulate. These light postulates are way, way more effective. And he goes on to say, well, a little bit higher than that is you just know all of a sudden you just have a conviction in energy terms. You just know the waitress is going to walk to the other side of the dining room. She does. Dr. Ron Hubbard, so, you know, many of us, when we first started discovering Hubbard and his technologies and all the things that he'd learned about beings and so forth, we're all, can we get the waitress to come over? You know, you'd be surprised. It's not usually a heavy, forceful postulate. It's a light one. Yeah, she's coming over in just a second. Next thing you know, she's over there, you know, because you just know it's going to happen. So that's the power of a light postulate. So keep it light. Here's your third tip. Keep postulating the change. And here's the quote from Mr. Robert. And we discover that when we are trying to make a condition change, that we simply have to postulate, as though it exists in present time, the opposite condition. And we go on postulating it, and postulating it, and postulating it, and it will take place. Now run Hubbard. So that's one of the things about postulates. Keep making them. Persist with it. You know, uh, some of the projects we're engaged in right now in YZ Stress are pretty big. We've got some pretty big dreams, and and we, we're quite imaginative over here. So, we, you know, we're, we've got a lot of things going on, and, you know, you've got to postulate it every day. This is happening. This is happening. Wow, this just happened. What a breakthrough. We had just had an amazing breakthrough today, in fact. And it's like, yeah. Just keep postulating. It's going to happen. It is happening, actually. And uh, if you keep postulating it, he says here, it will take place. We're not particularly happy with the way society is going along right now. Uh, I think I share that with a lot of my members. So we can make that condition change by postulating the opposite condition. And we just got to keep postulating. Go on postulating it, postulating it, postulating it, and it will take place. So that's another little thing to remember about postulates. 
and resolutions for that matter. I mean, resolution, I, I, I wanted to hark it back to resolutions because we, we basically opened this discussion by talking about resolutions. Resolution does not have the same power as the term postulate. They don't mean exactly the same thing. So maybe you could try making a New Year's postulate instead of a New Year's resolution. Okay. They're similar, but they're not exactly the same thing. I think we should stick. That's why Mr. Hubbard chose this word so advisedly, because it's not a concept that is that common, this idea of postulates. Okay. But they are truths. All right. So here's a final tip for today on postulates. Like I say, there's a lot more to know about this subject, and there's probably people who know more about it than I by a long shot. But um, these are four tips that I find very, very helpful and uh, that I use and recommend to others. And so here's the final one. Postulates are not untruths. Here's a quote from Mr. Hubbard. Creative and constructive imaginings about the future are not untruths but are postulated new realities. He goes on to say this, Few mothers there are who do not have untruths in imaginative postulates thoroughly confused, thus suppressing the necessary imaginative instincts of the child and giving the child, in fact, a confusion about truth itself. I'll run Hubbard. Yeah, you might want to think about that next time your child comes up and tells you they're a cowboy. No, you're not. Oh, you're just imagining things. Or, oh, you know, there's a big monster in my room. Or, you know, look, these little beings are making postulates left and right. They are very imaginative. So better be careful about bringing them back to reality because that imaginative function is creating postulated realities in their future. And by invalidating them, you are now invalidating their concept of truth. Yeah, I'm going to be, you know, a great wizard one day, you know? And it's like, oh no, wizards are just something you read in fiction or done. Better be careful about that. You've got some wild imaginings going on. You could have the next, uh, what did they uh, call um, Edison? I think they called him the Wizard of Menlo Park. That's where he was from, I guess, or where his laboratory was. But in any case, Edison probably had a postulate. You know, I'm a wizard, you know, when he was three years old. And he was lucky enough not to have someone invalidated or tell him that was a lie. You're not a wizard. You know, wizards, wizards don't exist. And sure enough, he became the Wizard of Menlo Park and gave us electricity and the light bulb and the phonograph and all this other stuff. That's Thomas Edison, so be a bit careful about that. You may remember, you know, one of my great heroes, Muhammad Ali. Famous quote of his when he said, I am the greatest. I said that even before I knew I was. That was from Muhammad Ali, one of my great heroes for that incredible, you know, class and his intelligence and his eloquence and his willingness to fight for the right and so forth, a magnificent being and one of the greatest athletes of all time and one of the greatest boxers of all time. And he says, I am the greatest. I said that even before I knew I was. What a great illustration of the power of a postulate and how it, you know, it's not an untruth. It's creative imaginings about the future. 
and how he must have kept postulating that over and over again. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. And it probably was done with quite a bit of insouciance, spirit of play. It was probably a pretty light postulate. I doubt if he was in a room somewhere saying, I got to be the greatest. I got to be the greatest. I'm the greatest. Probably a pretty light postulate. And finally, of course, it was big. It was a big postulate. I am the greatest of all time. And uh, arguably, he was. In my book, he certainly was for many, many reasons. Anyway, there you have it. I uh, hope this helps you with your New Year's resolutions for 2023 going into 2024. You're probably listening to this at the beginning of 2024. Use these four tips from Mr. Hubbard in uh, making your postulates for your future, your causative thinkingness, your creative imaginings of the future, and go big, think big, keep it light, and uh, be persistent, push it all through, and uh, realize, of course, no matter how much invalidation you may get here and there, that these are self-created truths that you're posting, that you're putting there. And uh, hell with anybody who says that they're not true. They're true for you. They're real for you. And may the world be a better place because of that. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome to 2024. Thank you so much for listening all this time. Uh, We've been now, we're going to our fifth year business-wise. Hard to believe, but uh, there you have it. But as long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep posting them. Good luck. Have a great year. We'll talk to you next week.